Hello everyone, welcome to the Fast Pod. I'm your host Graham Cleland. Now I've been very, very lucky to be involved in various forms of motorsport over the years behind the scenes on the media side. But I do think that rallying is the toughest of them all. Okay, you're not going toe to toe on a circuit with your immediate competitors, but it takes a really special blend to have success out on the stages. Yes, you need talent behind the wheel, you need decent machinery, of course, but you also have to have that rapport with and trust with your co-driver. And we've talked about that in previous episodes with Rhiannon Gelsomino, who has done so well as a co-driver at the top levels of the sport. But you're also up against incredibly tough conditions, changeable weather, remote destinations. It is an incredibly unpredictable sport. And things can go wrong very, very quickly. The margins for success and failure are extremely thin even for the very best competitors. Now we're lucky this week to have uh, a great rally driver coming on the show. He's Scottish, he comes from somewhere that is absolutely steeped in motorsport heritage. Duns in the Borders is obviously the birthplace and home of the late great Jim Clark, but also quite a few other very, very successful motorsport competitors. I'm talking of course of multiple rally title winner Gary Pearson. Gary's someone who has built his experience up over the years and rallying experiences everything. Most drivers don't come to their peak until their early 30s. It's very, very rare for a young competitor to be successful at the very highest levels. And a couple of years ago, Gary and his co-driver, Niall Burns, achieved something very, very special indeed. In 2021, not only did they win the Scottish Rally Championship, which is a fantastic achievement in itself, they also picked up the Welsh Forest Rally Championship, the BTRD Rally Series, and the Motorsport UK National Rally Championship all in one season. They're the only crew in history to achieve that very special quadruple. After that, he made the next step up and, and moved into the British Rally Championship, top domestic series in the UK. Had a very creditable first season, adapting to that level and, and finished fifth. And in the season past, 2023, he recovered from a very difficult start to the year and went on to show great improvement and finished second in the championship overall by the end of the season, behind only Adrian Formo, who has stacks of international rally experience for him and has competed in the World Rally Championship even this season. He's a busy guy, uh, as well as his rallying commitments during the season. He's got business interests outside of it, which we'll, we'll talk about with him. So it's been tricky to pin him down, but we're delighted to have him on the show, and we really hope you enjoy this interview with Gary. Gary, welcome to the Fast Pod. How are you? Yeah, great. Thanks. How are you? Yeah, very well. Very well. Thank you. Are you starting to get into the festive spirit? Uh, slowly but surely. I think uh, uh, things are starting, to, even business-wise, things are starting to turn that way. So it's uh, it's it's one of those things that's kind of forced upon you, isn't it? <laughs> well, well, we're nearly in December. I'm not, not, I'm quite happy for it to start in November, but December before then, absolutely not. But full into Christmas spirit from December onwards. <laughs> listen, listen, thanks for joining the show. Um, obviously it's post season, post rallying season, so I've been able to catch you when you're slightly less busy. 
Um, you know, you've had coming off the back of what would be described as a pretty fine season, finishing second in the BRC. Could you just talk to us a little bit about the highlights and lowlights of that? Yeah. So, well, firstly, thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, I mean, this, this year's been it's been good. You know, I think I've had some. I really I had a really bad start to the year. In fairness, you know, uh, I went to Mark and Wilson, uh, the Mark and Wilson rally in March, and had you know plagued with mechanical problems. Um, and then the Jim Clark, uh, I went to you know my home rally, and had a, a terrible weekend. You know, you know, basically crashed two cars. But then after that, you know, five five podiums on the bounce and uh, finished the season with a win. So, uh, yeah, like you say, highs and lows for sure. I mean, the after the first two rounds, it was it was almost as if you know you know what we're doing here. You know, it's a bit of a bit of a difficult start. But then you kind of got to keep the head down, you know, and and, and reset and. And then five podiums on the bounce, and you kind of think, you know, if we'd done that at the start of the season, we might have put Adrian from under a bit more pressure, you know? Absolutely. I mean, it's like you say, a bit of a roller coaster of a season. And, you know, after two difficult rounds like that, what did you sort of do mentally, you know, either in or away from the car to come back from that? Because as you say, a lot of pressure on you, you probably more from yourself than anyone else, really, at your home rally as well. But then it seemed to really take off after that. Was there anything significantly changed or did you just stick at doing what you're used to doing and you knew it would come? Yeah, I mean, I think I think like any sort of sportsman, you, you kind of got to, you know, you, you got that. If you've had any sort of success in the past, you, you know that, the difficult times come and 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 it's kind of how you I wouldn't say per se change massively anything unless but what you know I stuck to exactly what I was still doing, still training, still trying to think about, you know, my driving, think about and, and essentially what I, I did change the mindset a little bit, you know, I sort of said, right, well, I've got five events. There's not an opportunity to drop a score now, you know. You're under a bit of pressure that way, you know. You, you know you've got five events which have to score well for your championship, and you have to finish because it was five from seven events. So, I think the mindset kind of went a little bit like, I need to really prove that this year, you know, I want something out of this year, and and my mindset kind of went to, I need results. Let's work, and but I have to finish. But uh, I mean, I think ultimately, I think where I went from from that. Terrible weekend at Jim Clark is uh, my mindset just kind of went to. I've got to give these sponsors and I've got to give all my fans something back, you know. Um, and I think from then on, you know, we went to Belgium, which was a very, very tough, tough, tough rally. Um, but you know, Dan worked well with me then and sort of said, like, you're doing well, you know, you give me a lot of confidence and a lot of reassurance. And uh, and when we got the result out there, that was a good little platform to start building on for the rest of the year. What was it like? You, you touched on Adrian Formo there. Uh, he had an incredible season in the BRC, didn't he? And, and really showed his class. And, and what was it like to, you know, go up against a competitor and test yourself of someone of that quality? Yeah, I mean, absolutely fantastic, to be honest with you. It's probably, it's probably brought me on a lot. You know, it's, you know, you go into that first stage and you, you have to think, you know, this guy is going to be on it from the first 10 metres, you know, he's he's absolutely out of the blocks and there's a calculated risk taken throughout the whole stage, you know, and he's he's maybe done, the weekend before Percy, he's maybe done a three-day rally, you know, and uh, up against the world's best, so uh, you knew you were in for a difficult day every day you were up against Adrian, you know, I think, you know, no disrespect to the guys at national level, but some of the guys at national level could have 
an off day or, you know, you could catch some sleeping in the first stage. But with Adrian, you know, you just know he's going to be on the pace. You know, he's he's <laughs> he's fresh, he's match fit, you know. And I think for us, having him in the British Championship, I think it done the world a good, you know, to, to the British the British Championship. And I think some... Some drivers obviously, you know, shied away from that and, and went and done other championships because they they didn't uh, like getting beat. Uh, but I mean, I think for from my own perspective, uh, I think it was absolutely brilliant having them there uh, as a as a level that you could go in a stage and see. Oh, I'm I'm six off of Adrian, uh, so at least I know the car can go six seconds quicker through that stage. Um, whilst if if he wasn't there per se and I was fastest by ten then you'd think, oh, you know, you're doing really well. But actually, you know, there is guys in the world that go faster. So I think having somebody at that world level come to the UK was brilliant. You know, it just it just improves improves your level because you, you have to look at everything in more detail because he's got that detail in everything. So I uh, know that de- definitely a definitely a positive, I think, you know, definitely a positive. But uh yeah, in some respects, you know, it can be demoralising seeing, ah, how did he take 15 out of me? Yeah, but, he, you know, the experience that he's possibly got in certain conditions and, um, you know, in certain circumstances, you know, ultimately, you know, it, show, it shines through at times. But, you know, at certain points of the year, we kept him very, very honest, you know. I think in Derby, Derby Forest and the track road in, uh, in September there, you know, 1.4 seconds off him in a, 15 mile stage in the dark uh, so ultimately that that gives you a massive confidence boost as well you know somebody that's going out the following week and is one of the top two in in, in WRC2 uh, you know you're competing with them uh, so yeah rewarding and uh, and certainly makes you analyse yourself as well you know Absolutely I think it's, it's like people say that in sport you rise to the level of you're competing against don't you you know so to have a benchmark like that you would imagine going to improve everybody uh, and I guess commercially it was good for the profile of the DRC too but hey listen he's, not, he's only human he's not infallible because as we saw he went off back to the WRC and uh, in Japan ended up in a ditch so <laughs> he's human yeah, though so yeah. he is human, he is human. <laughs> he is human. He is human. even if he is yeah. impressive so listen um, you've, yeah. it's been a great season uh, you know to, you finished on a high so I just want to wind right back a little bit actually and, and just get a little bit of a flavour for how did you get into rallying in the first place uh, because you know what, what gave you the fever to, to go out there and hit the stages yeah, so I was quite fortunate in some ways, you know. My my brother's five years older than me, um, but obviously my father, you know, initially used to do the uh, I think it was called the Nova Challenge back in the nineties. Now, obviously, I've always been around rally cars from from that, so he's always had a my dad always had a Nova between when I was born in ninety one, and he he rallied all through the nineties, um. So I was always around a car. There was always a car sitting in the garage. You could, you know, I've got photos of me and my brother sort of sitting in the, you know, I was sitting in the driver's seat holding the steering wheel and Robbie sitting next to me. And, you know, so from a very young age, there was an involvement of in cars, you know. Uh, but Robbie, when Robbie been five years older, that meant sort of the time I was uh, 12, Robbie was in a rally car. He was in a Peugeot 205. And uh, for me then, I got a little road car, you know, and, and my dad would take me to Chart Hall, learn me how to drive. Uh, we're lucky to have Chart Hall Airfield on the on the doorstep, and I would 
you know, you could get four or five miles around there just driving away. Um, and, and Mr. Trotter was very, very uh, good in letting you on Charter Hall uh, that day, at that stage uh, uh, of, of my life. I think it's changed a bit now. I don't think you get on Charter Hall now, but um, I was very lucky. So I could go to Robbie's rallies uh, and I would be there getting the times off the other drivers or uh, I'd be there, you know, changing the wheels, trying to help, cleaning the windscreens and very basic jobs. I'm definitely not mechanical, but um, I kind of got that that urge from early on that I could get into rallying. And, and then it was almost like years in the planning because you could obviously rally until you're 17 at that point. So I'd done, I'd done junior autocross when I was 14, um, which was just starting out. I think the junior 1000s was... Talk, you know, getting talked about, but nothing was actually happening. But uh, obviously now, you know, the Cossie Junior One Thousands, which which I, which the business kindly kind of helps, um, is doing brilliant, and it's great to see you know youngsters coming through at fourteen now and being able to rally in single venues. But um, for me back then, there wasn't that. It was just Junior Autocross, which was basically you actually just raced around the field. But um, funnily enough, that skill set of racing around the field when I went to France in 2015 and done the 208 challenge um, there was parts of the stages went through fields and uh, and believe it or not that was my you know, it was 3208 R2s I actually, that was where I set my first fastest time in, in France uh, when it was actually going through the field so it's quite good that that transferable skill actually led to something because you know when you're doing it when you were 14 you know, as much as you would take any time in the car, you kind of wondered, well, this isn't really going to help me massively in gravel, but it actually, it actually did. So, uh, you know, I was very fortunate that I had, I had my dad and my brother who had, you know, a bit older than me, and, and I could always rely on them to kind of give me some advice for my younger days. And um, fortunate enough to have a two or five at sixteen and, and and do a bit of forest driving, um, before I could actually even get in the forest legally. So. So it started out as a bit of fun, but obviously, you know, the family had the buggy anyway. And but you, you, you know, you've sort of had quite a lot of success coming up through through the years. But at what point did you think actually I'm not bad at this? I could do something here. Yeah, I mean, I have to say when when we, when we took the step up after doing the two eight in two thousand fifteen to the Scottish Championship in two thousand sixteen, we took a bit of a plunge. We, well, my dad took a plunge with me. In fairness, and um. And we, we, we got a budget together to do the Scottish Championship. Um, and at that point, the, the you know R fives were quite new on the scene, um, and I've never driven four wheel drive before. So going from a two eight R two, and an R five, and it was the Snowman Rally was my first rally, which is a. Well, which, listen, I remember that rally. I think because I'm <laughs> sure I was there with John McCrone, and uh, it got very very snowy at the end, didn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. So it was a very tricky rally to. It was actually snowy throughout the whole, the whole day. Basically, there was a lot of snow on the on the forest, and uh, I think when I set, it was the first stage. The first stage we didn't have the best time. We we're about twelfth quickest or something like that. The second stage was actually the the sort of cleanest stage of the day, and we actually went through and set the fastest time, and. It was almost one of those sort of moments where it was like, well, where did that come from? You know, your first, you know, your first day in a in an R five rally car, 
um, at the Scottish Championship level and you're sitting quickest time and yeah, obviously that didn't last. I, I made a few mistakes that day, to say the least. Uh, but I finished fifth, uh, and you know that f- first time out, finishing fifth, it was a good result. But obviously, as the year went on, uh, you know we were going to win the championship in our first year. Um, going into the last round, all we had to do was finish second. Um, unfortunately, we had a mechanical issue, and the car stopped on the on the way to the last stage. And we uh we 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 basically lost the championship on the way to the last stage when we were sitting second by about a minute. Uh, we had a minute behind us. You know, it was going to be a cruise through the last stage, and unfortunately, you know, the manifold actually uh, cracked and burnt some of the electrics. So I think at that point I knew, you know, wait, I, you know, I could have done that in my first year, which would have been, you know, you know, for looking back. At the time, I would have thought that would have been brilliant. But looking back, that probably been quite a phenomenal achievement in your first year to do the Scottish Championship. In hindsight, it took me another five years to actually get there. Uh, but you don't give up. Do you? you kind of you know you've got the, the the speed, but things have to click into place. And and uh, and obviously, when it did all click into place in twenty twenty one, I had great success. But uh, yeah, that I think I think I knew from I knew from an early point in that season that. You know, I've got an opportunity, certainly at national level, you know, um, to to be good. But things have obviously went on a bit since then. Absolutely, and talk to us about that that twenty twenty one season because that that turned out to be pretty exceptional all round, didn't it? Yeah, twenty twenty one was obviously a yeah, it's never been done before. The four the four national titles, um, or the big four, as, as some people call them. The um, no, I mean, I think we just. Obviously, that was that was just coming out of COVID, and you know, so a, a massive focus went into to to that year for for me. You know, it was it was really oh right, we could. I sort of looked at it and planned it. You know, it was like right if I start that that event there, which was Scottish, was you know the Scottish Rally in Dumfries. Oh, I could do that event, which actually is a counter for the Scottish Championship and the BTRA. Let's see how that goes. Um. Well, is it sort of trans? Uh, in fact, I missed our guy. Our guy rally. I actually went and done for the Scot, which was the first round of the Scottish Championship. I got two miles into the first stage, and the the um the oil filter came off the car, and I was out of the rally basically because it drained all the oil. So my Scottish Championship was on a back foot already. But we went out and won this, won the the BTRD, and were second in the Scottish, I think. Um, but then on from there, I mean, we just we literally look. And we just looked at it and said, "Well, if we do that one, we'll see how we go, and and if we do well, we'll we'll, we'll pick which championship we're going to do." Well, the way it went was that championship's going well, that championship's going well, and all of a sudden, after three events, we're leading four championships, and you're thinking we're going to have to keep, you know, digging deep and getting the getting the sponsors in and, and working harder to try and get this done, um, because which championship's going to be the one we end up on and. And phenomenally, we, we I think we clinched the last one we clinched. So the first one we got was the Scottish Championship, which was great. Obviously, a lifetime goal for me. Um, so we so we caught we we caught that first. Then we caught the um the BRC National in Mull. And then we we're going to the Cambrian Rally, and we had to win the we to win that we had to win the BTRA, which we did. And then the very last in the rally was the Rally Nuts, which we had to clinch the Welsh. 
um, tried to clinch the Welsh Championship. And that was going... We had a really difficult day that day. The power steering pump failed in the first stage, so we dropped half a minute. Um, and we needed to finish second. And we were going... We were 12 seconds behind going into the, the very last stage behind Ian Bainbridge. And it was a seven-mile stage. And it was basically... You know, let's just absolutely go for this. And we took 13 of them and, and won the, the Welsh Championship in the last stage. So, um, no, phenomenal year. Uh, never been done before. Probably, you know, I don't know. I never say never, but it'd be very difficult to do for somebody again because of the, there's not a lot of crossover of the events now. So, uh, but no, phenomenal year. And, uh, you know, I look back and, you know, you can only, you can only smile at that year because that was, uh, but I also, it also led on to the next stage, which was obviously 2022 in the British Championship. So uh, it was a good, a really good platform for me to move on. And then, and probably something that I never thought, A, I never thought I could win the four. Um, and B, I really never thought I could win the British Championship. So it did lead on to great things. Yeah, I mean, you know, as we know, rallying is such a tough sport. And like you say, calendars don't always align, things like that. But, you know not only do you have to be good to to have success in multiple championships like that but you have to be quite lucky as well don't you <laughs> you know just to have the stars aligned yeah. for something like that so uh, i'm not sure that that will be done again it's uh, it, it was a, a phenomenal achievement uh, and like you say so so then naturally you think what do you do after that you decide to make up the step to brc how did you find that transition yeah no to be fair like well first off like you say yeah everything has to line up and i would say that to anybody that's coming through the the sport you know don't give up because, you know, per se, something goes wrong. Uh, you might look at, you know, that four titles and think, you know, how how is that possible? You have to kind of grind it out and just keep working at it. Like, something like that doesn't happen every day. So, but, I mean, I think for your, for, for the British Championship step, um, I had to become a lot more commercially minded. You know, I think I'd had some great sponsors on, you know, Asset Alliance have been with me since 2017. George Anderson Builders have been with me since 2018. Uh, you know, I've had Pirelli who helped me out, you know, very much up to about 2021. Um, you know, obviously my own company, Pearson's. Uh, there's been, you know, various people that have helped me. But I think in 2022, you know, I was very lucky that all these guys stayed on. You know, all these guys stayed on. Um, but moving to the British Championships, a, a new budget, you know, it's a new level. Uh, there's longer events, there's recce's, there's, you, you know, a lot more hotel bills, there's bigger entry fees. So I did have to become more commercially minded. And uh, with that in mind, we we managed to secure a deal with Hankook UK, um, which was, you know, a development year, if you like, in the, in the 2022, where Hankook were looking to develop uh, their tyre for the UK climate. Uh, they had a tire that worked well in Europe, but they were they were really trying to break into the UK market, and um and and they and essentially we we went to market with them and you know, came out with a, a very well supported deal, which allowed us to do the the twenty twenty two season. Now, obviously, you know it was a development year. Um, I mean we did finish fifth. We had a couple of podiums that year, but uh, yeah, the the transition from twenty twenty one to twenty twenty two, I would say, was had to be commercially minded but then you also have to look at every element of what you do you know and um, you kind of have to look at the fitness you have to look at the driving you have to uh, look at the recce 
So I was learning things, to be fair, event on event. You know, I had Dale Furness from it that year uh, in the co-driver seat. And, and Dale had obviously been at a higher level before. He's co-driven for Ogden Price. He's co-driven for Tom Cave. Um, and he also had, had done work with, you know, with, with Elfin Evans in the past. So and for some, some respects that, you know, he gave me some insights to what to look for in corners and reckies and things like that. So I really had to go away and think, well, you know, sit down, basically sit down and say, well, what elements of my drive, you know, I used to just, you know, with the national championships, you'd get a DVD, I would make a set of notes, I would look at the DVD, I would say, well, I could maybe cut in there, you know, I could maybe cut that corner there, which is worth, you know, 0.2 of a second or something because you're just cutting that distance. Um, but when you start to recce, you actually have to be in there in the recce car. You have to be, oh, can I go in there and cut that corner? Or is that a late apex so I can break a little bit later and then turn in as opposed to just a normal 50 degree left? So is that a late entry so I can try and carry the speed further into the corner before I turn? So I think a lot of things, you know, I would say the transition was certainly commercial. There was a lot in the driving, fitness, uh, and generally the the workload, you know, massively went up. So, uh, yeah, quite quite a few things, and it, and it took quite. It's still it's still a work in progress for sure. You just touched on something there, though. That's it, kind of interesting, certainly to me, having sort of worked in motorsport for a long time and, and seen all angles of this behind the scenes. And you talked talked about the commercial aspect there. But can you just give listeners a, a feel for, you know, what it's like to try and make the jump from, say, something like the Scottish Championship to the British and then the challenge potentially for people to go from British to world? Because, you know, it, we know it's very, very difficult, particularly for, for British rally drivers at the moment, to find that kind of budget to go to that level. You know, what Elvin's done has been fantastic and continues to, to be very, very impressive. But we don't seem to quite have that ladder that, so, say, other countries do. Like, can you just give people a flavour for how big the challenges are, even the British Rally Championship level? Yeah, I mean, the, the British Championship jumped for me from, from national uh, rally and was certainly, you know, finding that budget, making yourself commercially, you know, commercially wise and, and sellable, you know, uh, it's it's a very tricky. You, you do have to, you have to do the things. You have to, you have to do your socials. You have to do the website. You have to do your 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 press releases. Um, you know. So I think you have to be prepared to make sacrifices in other parts of your life to be doing the British Championship, and that's just the British Championship. You know. I think going to the world level. I think um, you know. I think Elfin would probably say himself that. Uh, they they were in the right place, you know. Obviously, Elfin, hugely, you know, massively talented driver, but he hit it. Uh, he was the right place at the right time and getting the right results. You know, I think, I think Elfin done a season where he done five WRC two events, and uh, and he impressed on all all of them, and and got the jump in uh, in, in Malcolm's World Reality, which was, you know, phenomenal. I think looking at it now. You know, you've got the likes of Pajari, Sammy Pajari out there, who's probably, I would say, coming through the WRC two levels, big, big talent. Um, but these guys now were having to do maybe two, three seasons to prove themselves because the 
the jump into the, the the Rally One cars now. I mean, you've seen we've seen several drivers jump into Rally One and actually get you know get get actually take the step back down to WRC two because the level that these guys are on WRC in, in in the Rally One class is such a big level. There's probably really only you know four of the guys really really taking that those cars to the limit, and I think I think. Anybody coming out of the British Championship now looking to go to the world, I think you've got to probably have a, mil- a budget of, of a couple of million to be actually even just doing five or six rallies. And I don't think five or six rallies, even if you won or came second in WRC2 for those, would necessarily say you jump straight into that rally one category because uh, it's just it's a wee bit changed days from when the likes of Elfin and, and Lappy were coming through uh now it seems you know you need to actually prove yourself over a long period of time um and i just think that the that the budget required and uh, you know is quite quite phenomenal to get to wrc2 i mean i think even a rally like a european rally championship you know would cost you you know 70000 pounds which you know is is a for example is probably a a scottish rally championship year you know in, a, in an r5 car so uh the, the the jump is is phenomenal you know yeah it's it's absolutely tough and you know i'm sure that'll be a bit of a, an eye-opener for some people out there just the the scale of that and um i guess one of the things i was going to touch on with you as well is you know you, you're a busy guy you've got business interests outside of rallying as well as committing an enormous amount of time to your rallying as well to be successful in it and as we've seen recently We've seen a couple of drivers really at the top of their game who've had big success on the world stage, the likes of Cali Rovapera, talking about taking a step back and doing part-time programs and things like that. And my sense of that is that it's because of not just the amount of travel to, to compete in a World Rally Championship in particular, but that the commercial commitments in between rallies are huge on, on those top-level drivers. But that that you know is something you've touched on there as well. How hard is it to sort of balance you know ra- commitment to rallying with life outside of it? Yeah, I think it's. I think even in the British, you know, championship level, you you feel at times that per se you could do without this rally being, you know, in two weeks' time. You've got a lot on your plate, you know, business wise, or you've got a lot on your plate in your own life with various things, or you're not quite where you want to be in the fitness. But um, yeah, I think I think definitely, you know, you're seeing. A lot of drivers, you know, we've seen Ogier step back at the top level, you know, from a to a park program. Now Rovan Perez came out, he's stepping back to a park program. I think ultimately it's very, very demanding. And I think, you know, to get the championships, you do need to make sacrifices. And I think um from from my you know, position, I'll be in, you know, thankfully, you know, Susie's very, very supportive. Um, but I'll be in work you know on the week leading up to the rally i have to have to be out of work at five o'clock at uh at night and away and you know do my own thing at night but the previous week to that before the rally you know so sort so, of so, 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 two weeks before the rally i'll have to go into work and be out there until you know seven eight at night getting ahead for the the rally week if you like so you have to kind of make that sacrifice in some respect that you're you put in the work somewhere else, but so it's ultimately the demands are just increasing in one to allow you to 
increasing the other, if that makes sense. So essentially, I have to increase my workload and uh, work previous week to the rally, and then rally week, I increase the the amount of in you know the amount of involvement I'll do in the actual rally. Um, but I think at the world level, it, it seems to be commercially very very tough. I mean, uh, you know, I know from my side how much time I have to put into uh, you know, my socials, you know, even just meet, you know, going and doing some press releases, updating websites up, you know, going to speak to my sponsors, you know. Uh, you know, even this week I've been up in, in Glasgow um for a day speaking to my sponsors and things like that. So it's you have to kinda you can only imagine at the at the world level that they'll, you know, they're out there for a week and a half before most rallies doing like you say, commercial commitments will be doing, you know, Facebook and Instagram posts, try and get content. Uh, they'll have the they'll have the pre-event sort of press conferences. There's uh, they actually have a shakedown. You know, you've got then you go and sign autographs, and I can I can quite understand how some of these drivers are taking a step back once they've achieved what they look to achieve. You know, I think certainly. Certainly, Ogier and Rovan Perra, you know, both world champions, and then have stepped back. Um, maybe the hunger, does the hunger go and then you get a bit of work-life balance? I, I don't know. It's interesting. Well, I, I can tell you, I've got first-hand insight into how hard they have to work outside of the car in between <laughs> rallies, because I used to make them do it. <laughs> so <laughs> all, all those pesky yeah. sponsors and media commitments, I used to be the person that was chasing people around uh, making them do it. So um, I yeah. understand, as you say, why guys who've achieved the top level think, I probably don't need as much of this. I'll just do it part-time. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Uh, Listen, obviously, you know, finished second in the BRC this year. Uh, great, great. I ended up being a great season, a fine achievement. And so, you know, what are your goals for the future? What's on the bucket list? Yeah, so I think, you know, definitely a big, a big uh, one for me. I'd love, I'd love to win the championship. You know, so I think I want to go again. Uh, we are working hard on a budget for next year. Um, so I think ultimately, my my goal is to be the British champion. That that is where. My focus is. Uh, I would love to also do, at some point, um, a, a WRC two round or a European Championship round, um, you know, or, or two. Uh, but I think my main goal is to be successful in in this country and 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 in the UK. I'm certainly trying to hone my skills to, to to do that. And uh, you know, I think ultimately that that is probably one that I would love to to add. Um. I would also like to do a, a tarmac championship, a pure tarmac championship. Um, not sure which one, but certainly I would like to at some point tick a box to say that I've you know conquered tarmac in some way, shape, or form. I know I know a lot of my championships that I've won have have had an element of 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 uh, tarmac in it, but uh, but not a pure tarmac championship. So yeah, I think for sure British Championship uh, twenty twenty four or twenty twenty five is where I would like to be. To, to be winning uh, winning one of the championships for sure <laughs> really well listen um, enjoy the off season uh, hope you don't have to work too hard during it and uh, look forward to seeing you out on the stages uh, next season too thanks for coming on the fast pod Gary uh, thanks for having me it's great thank you great stuff cheers cheers Graham thank you <laughs>
talk about the mental resilience required to be successful on the stages, especially to bounce back from things like major crashes, get on the horse again and be fast after something like that happening. But I thought he also did a brilliant job of explaining the commercial pressures. As we've seen with World Rally Championship competitors like OJ and Cali Roven Perez, we touched on taking a little step back after you've achieved things. It actually gets harder as you go up the levels because there's so much money required to find the budget to go rallying. It is a tough, tough sport from a commercial point of view. And I think Gary's explanation of just how much work is needed outside of the car between rounds to find the backing, to find the sponsors, to make sure you've got the budget, the kit you need and the team support around you. It's possibly even harder than being in the car and the pressure that comes with that itself. So hopefully that gave you uh, a little insight into to that world and just the level of commitment it takes from a personal point of view if you want to be successful in motorsport. Thanks for listening. We'll be unlocking more of the secrets of speed with another top competitor in the next episode of the Fast Pod. We hope you'll tune in for that and we'd really appreciate it if you remember to hit the subscribe button and follow us on social media. Until the next time, thank you. Thank you.